Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I am Johnny Nunny, joined tonight by Patrick Comiskey, and we are not happy tonight. We are talking about a Blackhawks loss at Winnipeg to open up the most important stretch of the season here. It was a 5-2 loss in Winnipeg this Sunday night. Um, Just a... Really tough one to swallow overall after the first 20 minutes, Patrick. Uh, first of all, how you doing? And uh, initial thoughts on tonight's loss. Oh, my God. That was, you know, people talk about the Sunday scaries, getting scared to go to work and everything. Well, they came early tonight because the Blackhawks were the Sunday scaries tonight. Holy, just, oh, you talk about coming out hot and then you just fall on your face after that. It just... It ruined what looked like it was going to be a good night. It looked like they were going to come in and, st- you know, punch one a peg in the mouth. They did. They just uh, game us three periods long, and they didn't get that memo. Not yeah, I, just a, I was horrific loss. I was literally going to say the Blackhawks thought this game was only twenty minutes long because, like Patrick had alluded to, the first twenty minutes were great. The Blackhawks were absolutely dominant in the first twenty minutes. I'm looking at the Corsi stats here: seventy point five nine percent in comparison to Winnipeg's 29.41% uh, in the first period on shot attempts there. Then that's what gives you that Corsi number there. Uh, scoring chances highly in favor of the Blackhawks, uh, you know, 12 to 8. This is all at even strength here. Uh, these numbers from naturalstatric.com that, that I'm reading off here. But, uh, you know, high danger chances doubled them up on them, 2 to 4 um, in that category in the first period. You know, came out, scored first shift. Patrick, first shift. We, we, this looked like they set the tone early. Uh, first line looked like they had a chip on their shoulder. I tweeted out from the Four Feathers account. Drake Kajula really looked like he, you know, was pissed off after getting fucked over on Wednesday night against Boston. The goal that was disallowed because of the hand pass, and he had three days of stew on it. So he was definitely, you know, the guy that had the primary assist on Kubelik's goal. And um, Kubelik, you know, buries that shot literally 15 seconds into the game. And we're looking good. It looks like things are going to go well here for us. Um, and then Brandon Saad was able to add another one at the 10.58 mark of the first period. Um, his 16th of the season, a crash in the net right where you need to be. But that was all they would do scoring-wise this game. And honestly, pressure-wise in this game, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, they they came out. They looked phenomenal, especially that top line. Uh, you know, they just creating pressure, you know, you look at uh, Kajula behind the net just creating havoc down there like he's always so good at doing. And, you know, they kind of got a bit of a lucky bounce on that thing going there to Kubelik, but, you know, he made enough mistake when it found his stick. And, you know, Taze gets his 800, 800th yeah. point. It's in his hometown. I was going to say that. You know, you before, get all those... before we go full rant, let's yeah. at least appreciate <laughs> that. Kamaski, you had uh, put the article together. Um Jonathan Taves, 800 points on that assist 15 seconds into the game on Kubelik's goal. So, um, you know, that that was really cool sight to see him do that in his hometown. I uh, just wish the outcome would have made it even sweeter. Yeah, and it's just they, st- they started so well and you just uh, you fall apart. And, you know, this over the last couple of years, these Hawks teams, uh, these Hawks teams just it's been a common thread. These teams that aren't making the playoffs, it's, you know, they, sometimes they come out hot, they get it rolling and then they just, you know, they stop playing and that's what happened tonight. And you're getting down to these games where every game is important tonight. It was another one of those four point games. You, I mean, you come out, if you win that game in regulation, you were one point behind Winnipeg. 
now you lose in regulation, you're five back. I mean, that that is a huge point swing, and these are just these things that you can't have in these situations, especially when you're up to nothing. And then uh, NBC Sports Chicago shows that stat going into the third. The Hawks were 17-3-1 going into third periods with a lead. Well, 17-4-1 because you just you got you got out battled, you got outworked. Early on in the game, the Hawks looked like the hungrier team. Well, from the second period on, the Jets were just, they were all over the place. They were flying around. They were hungry. They wanted it more, and they went and got it. You know, uh, that first intermission, Patrick Sharp was the one that said, you know, you had a good period, but you better be ready because the Jets are going to come. They're going to come back hard, and they did, and the Hawks just weren't ready for it. Yeah, they were not ready at all. And, you know, and now that you're talking about those uh, points there, it, when you look at the standings now, could it, like you said, could have been a swing where we're neck and neck with them. Um, but now Winnipeg holds that first wild card spot right now. Uh, granted, there's still a game to finish up in Minnesota and uh, Colorado right now. But, uh, you know, Minnesota wouldn't even jump up there, even if they were to get the W tonight. Um, that would only put them at 60, whereas the Jets have 63 points sitting in the first wild card spot. Blackhawks sitting uh, six in these wild card standings here, as I'm looking at them on NHL.com. Come uh, 58 points remain where they are. They need to get one uh, in, you know, forcing an overtime or whatever. Or they have the past two games. Um, they need to. I mean, Patrick, this thing has to turn around quick. They are on. First of all, it's a rough road trip, no matter what. When you look at that Western. Uh, Canadian road trip that they have. They had Edmonton on Tuesday night at Vancouver on um, Wednesday night, and they're fucking back in Winnipeg on next Sunday night too. Uh, it, it's not an easy stretch uh, at all. And it would have been, it looked like they were going to set the tone and come out and, you know, be like, okay, we're on a mission here to do this. And it really looked like that in the first period. Um, but like you said, uh, in the second period, it falls apart. Let's talk about the second period a little bit, Patrick, because uh, Kyle Connor was the only one to uh, find the score or find the back of the net in this middle frame. And it was a shorthanded goal. The Blackhawks power play has been absolutely atrocious. Um, Alex Debrinkit, you had mentioned it right before we came on the show, uh, looked terrible tonight, and he absolutely did. I don't think that's an overall um, sort of indication of what type of player he is, but it was a rough game for him. Sometimes, you know, you have a bad night. It happens, but unfortunately for Debrinkit, it happened tonight, and that turnover led to a goal, which helped the momentum swing back in Winnipeg's favor because the Blackhawks did not score once again. After this, after the first period, after this Kyle Connor goal um, that came at the 344 mark of the second period. So um, the sound off on to bring it a little bit because uh, you had some thoughts about it before we came on. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that momentum swing with uh, Winnipeg really started with that shorthanded goal. And it, it just came on. I don't know. I don't know if he just kind of shanked the little he was trying to make a little touch pass. It just didn't work at all. He completely he got very little of it you know they go down the other end of the ice and they're in the back of the net and all of a sudden they have the momentum that power play looked brutal but you go back to the brink and it's these things where he's kind of struggling this year he's you know early on his career he's looking like a guy who can routinely just put up 30 goals a season with ease and now you look at it where he's not even scoring a whole lot now uh just 13 goals on the season and you know it's just when you're in these games and you're playing a, you know, you're the Jets are a pretty heavy team. You know, they're they're hard on the puck. They like to throw their bodies around. You can't be making these cute little touch passes and shit like that. Like it, it's it doesn't work. You got to get the pucks in deep. You got to move it quickly. You can't. It, 
the Jets aren't just going to sit back. They are going to put pressure on you, and you see what happened. Like, you, you try and make a cute little play there, and all of a sudden they're down on the other end of the ice, and it's 2-1. to one. And, you know, from that mo- moment on, the Jets, they the, – Man, they fed off of that, and they just they just kept rolling. And it's 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 the little things. It really is like you know, if if the Hawks were to cash on that power play and make it three nothing, we're probably in a whole different tone right now, and we're probably yep. talking about a win. Even if they don't score on that power play, giving up that shorthanded goal is huge because a they're within one, and b they have all the momentum now. Like that's not just a regular goal when you score a shorty. Like you know that gets that gets the guys on the bench going on their Boys side. Buzzing, yeah, yeah. So. It was just that's that's where the demise started, and you know it just kept going. You know they get another power play, and you got Kirby Doc just turning the puck over a million times oh, yeah. all in one shift. Yeah. And you know at that point, you know I understand that he's young, but if you're going to put him in those situations, he can't be doing those things. And I think that's something you got to look at moving forward. Are you going to continue to put him in those situations? What are you going to do? I mean, because you technically don't they they have enough power up there where you could survive with him not being on that power play unit but realistically you want him you want him getting that experience but you're in a playoff push so if he's going to be making these mistakes he can't be out there yeah, no, absolutely, Patrick. You, you make a great point there. And uh, obviously, a lot of that was on special teams. You're talking about those Kirby Doc turnovers. Those came on a power play for Winnipeg. Um, and, and that at the 526 mark of the second period, uh, Anthony Bittetto took a cross-checking penalty against Matthew Highmore. Blackhawks are in the power play. Okay, we, we can you know salvage this thing right after they giving up that shorthanded goal. Uh, let, let's get that one back. Sure, that, that's the mentality going into that. But uh, power play impotent over three tonight. Uh, this is the you know one of, one of the first ones of them. And um, that was Kirby Doc that was making like, you know, three turnovers basically on one power play. Winnipeg had three scoring chances on that, uh, you know, Blackhawks power play in that middle of the second period. And the Blackhawks had none. They could barely even get the puck in their own fucking zone, Patrick. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous. And, um, then Kirby Doc takes a penalty. Well, I don't know if it was out of frustration or whatever, but high sticking against Neil Pionk at the 627 mark. So that negated the Blackhawks power play. Um, and luckily, the penalty kill has been um, overall. I know Winnipeg did end up scoring a power play goal later in this game, but overall, as of late, penalty kill has been trending up and has been one of their brighter spots so far this year. So they were able to kill it off. But either way, you're just taking momentum away from yourself at that point uh, when Kirby Doc takes a high sticking penalty to negate one of your own power plays um, that you had there. So uh, I just wanted to touch on that um, a, a little bit here and uh, we'll talk uh, third period here. Um, the, like I said, Kyle Connor's goal was the only one in that second frame um, we, we get to the third period, 904 mark Blake Wheeler um, it, with a power play goal. Um, it, I will give him credit. It was a nice snipe um, as he was coming to the half wall, um, driving up the right wing and was able to get it past Crawford uh, to, to the far side. So, um, you know, credit to him for that. But uh, then th- that was a goal that tied it and Winnipeg did not look back at all because it was kind of. 50-50 here. I'm looking at the uh, Corsi um, kind of visual graph as it goes throughout the game, and it was the Jets had a little tiny push. Blackhawks had a little tiny push, and then it was literally even, even across, and then the Jets get that power play, and they score. Um, Jonathan Taves got screwed a couple of times. I will say that, first of all. Um, how soft were those calls, Patrick, uh, in, in third period? At least the first one. I know the second one, you can kind of make a little bit of an argument, but the first one was 10-ply. 
Yeah, and you understand the frustration from him when he's walking off the ice. Like, I'm the lip-reading expert. I actually can't read lips for shit. But on the second one, you can very clearly see him look at the ref and be like, are you fucking serious? And, like, that was the exact thing that was going through my head. Because I I understand that you can make the argument on the second one because he didn't make a play on the puck. But he literally did not touch Blake Wheeler. And Blake Wheeler goes down in a heap and acts like he just got hit by a truck. Like... You didn't get touched. And you at at least give the embellishment then. Yeah, right. exactly. That's that's exactly what I thought was going to happen, was that you were going to be looking at, they're both going to go, Taze will go for interference, and uh, Wheeler's going to go for embellishment. But nope, he didn't get touched. He goes down like a sack of potatoes. He lays on the ice forever. Like, you already got the penalty call. Now, at this point, you're just rubbing in for good measure. Like, did you hurt yourself on your own fall down to the ice? Like, give me a fucking break. Pick up your purse. Take that shit back to the bench. Like, you I mean... You know, if I understand that flopping is a big part of sports, it's huge in the NBA. I mean, players have popularized it. But in the NHL, it's really, it's not something you see a whole lot of. I think the players take a little more pride in it. Uh, they kind of police themselves. Like, a lot of times, if if you listen to the mics, mic'd up things, when you, when any time you think a player is diving, there's just, you, you have the entire bench, you know, scream and stay on your feet, this and that. You know, these players police themselves, and, you know, that's just... That's kind of one of those real soft plays by Wheeler there. And, you know, that kind of, it really, like, the Hawks were still within one. They had a chance that kind of just put the game on ice because even though uh, Winnipeg didn't convert on that last power play, it really took the game down to, you know, about under two minutes. And at that point, you know, it was kind of gone already. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, when you just look at the uh, literally the eye test uh, of where the game was trending, uh, who had the energy, who had Mo on their side, uh, old Mo momentum, a uh, huge thing in hockey, a uh, huge thing in any sport, to be honest with you. But um, it was totally on Winnipeg's side. They they looked like, you know, we, we talk about it all the time and say the boys are buzzing. Blackhawks definitely were the ones doing that in the first period. No, from the second period on. Uh, the last 40 minutes of this game, it was all Winnipeg, Patrick. So let, let's get to the, the game-winning goal here, and this is going to be the title of the episode, and it's Scratch Gus because Andrew Kopp scores a game-winning goal, blows right by Gustafson, uncontested. I, I understand he probably is still going to get a chance even if Gustafson makes a good play there, but um, he, he gets blown right by Andrew Kopp, drives straight to the net. Um, and granted, before this, there was a instance where Dylan Strom kind of pushed Kopp towards uh, Crawford, but then, then the puck ended up ringing around and whatever Crawford was able to reset himself. Not happy about it, but whatever you, you go on it, the shit happens in hockey. It's a fucking physical sport. Guys are going to get tossed around a little bit. Um, and even Brandon Saad was coming up to Crawford afterward and, you know, telling him, Hey, like, you know, that that's part of the game. The, the shit happens. Uh, you know, it's not ideal that you push your goalie out of position, but fuck it happens. And granted, it would be different if that was right where they scored. But no, puck came around. The Jets were able to reset. Um, and then it gets along the boards. And Gustafson's the one that is supposed to be covering that uh, post side to where this goal was scored. And Andrew Kopp just drives right by him. Gus is fucking Swiss cheese on that. Patrick, sound off, because I know you hate Gustafson. Um, you've been very vocal about it. I've been in the middle sometimes uh, about kind of, uh, you know, some value they can add on the offensive end. But shit, if the power play ain't going and it wasn't going tonight, over three tonight, um, it's time to scratch him. And we saw what Nick Sealer came in and, you know, he had some physicality. He had a nice scrap, really. Uh, he had an assist, uh, first win of the season since he's basically played not at all with um, 
uh, Minnesota in the few games that he was in, and we picked him off up off of waivers. Um, so I think it's time to keep him in full time. And as soon as Boquist is good to go, Gus, you are the scratch. That's my take. Patrick, yours. Yeah, so, you know, the big thing is I, I've always been very anti-Gustafson because it's just it's con- constant, 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 constant shit like this. And people say, well, but his offense, he creates a lot of offense. That's great. He also creates a lot of offense for the other team, and he does that more than he creates offense for the Blackhawks. I mean, like, w- what good is, if, you know, if you create one goal in a game, but you also give up two, like, you're still in the negative there, buddy. He's he's. God awful. Like he just looks like a forward that's really trying his best to play defense. And except for the fact that he doesn't try his best, you know, and everyone talks about that. He's, he, he has 25 points this year. I mean, he's not lighting the world on fire. What's he on pace for? You know, like 40. I mean, are those 40 points really worth it? Because you're constantly getting dog shit efforts like this from him. Like, what is he doing tonight? He gets caught a watching the puck B stick, not on the ice C not in the passing lane and D makes no play on the man. Like, did you forget what you're out there for? He just yeah. gets caught watching. My, minus play three tonight, Patrick. Minus brutal, three. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. And I know plus minus ain't all the, the end all be all, but that does kind of tell the story for Gustafson because, you know, sometimes you don't even notice that he's the one out there, but he's just constantly getting scored on because he doesn't know how to play defense. And, you know, maybe before as people go, oh, it's Quenville's system. Well, you can't use that excuse anymore because I don't think he could fucking defend in anyone's system. Could he be? And here's the thing, too. If the Hawks are falling out of this playoff race, to me, even if they're not, Trade him. Get something for him. Some team that is a legitimate cup to, uh, contender that wants an offensive D-man, he'll, he'll be first on their list. You know, we talk about it all the time. He can go down to Tampa or he can go to Washington somewhere, run their power play, do this and that, maybe the second unit. Get something for him because he's a free agent, and I would hope, God almighty, you're not bringing him back next year. And like you said, when Sealer, I thought he looked pretty good tonight. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you take you can take the fight, take the point out of it and everything. He and this is a guy too. Remember, uh, they said it on the broadcast hasn't played an NHL game in a couple months. Yeah. Like, and he's only played December, I think December last I time think, he played for Minnesota. Yeah, and I think he's played. This was game ten for him on the season at the NHL level. He was, I thought he only played five for Minnesota. I'd have to go and check hockey reference for that. I don't have him pulled up right here right now, but uh, I really believe it was under that Patrick. Yeah, so like you know, either way, you know, this is a guy who hasn't played much hockey. I was expecting him to be rusty as hell. He didn't look rusty at all. And you know, he's a guy who likes to fight. You know, he might have just been looking for one to get it out of his system and kind of get him back in the swing of things. And uh, boy, did he hold his own in that fight. You'd have to give him the nod in that one if you're going to look for a winner. I mean, he, he caused blood, so yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he 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 looked comfortable out there. He didn't make many. He didn't make any mistakes that I can remember at all. And you know, you talk about it. Um, they kind of mentioned that Boquist probably could have played if they absolutely needed him to. They just wanted to be a little overly cautious. So he'll probably be in. You would think for the next game, someone's got to sit down after that performance. I don't see how you could say Nick Sealer is going to be the one to sit down. Um, I am. I haven't been the biggest Slater Cuckoo fan, but I thought he looked pretty damn good tonight. He's looked good lately. He's fine. Uh, He's fine. Yeah, you're you're not sitting Ole Mata down. It, who else are you sitting down other no, than Eric Gustafson? Eric Gustafson. Scratch yeah. Gustafson. It's, That's the title of the. It's such baby. an. E- it's an easy decision. You sit him down, and honestly, I'm not putting him back in that lineup until someone else proves that and, they don't belong out there. 
yeah, trade trade deadline is approaching, Patrick. So I, I hope they honestly, after tonight, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. I hope they move him. It'd be different if the power play was running and he was the reason why. I would maybe have some more reservations. No, at this point, it is time. The NHL trade deadline is uh, February 24th, so coming up on two weeks here. Um, and when we'll be able to move him, move him before that. Get get him the hell out of here. Uh, you Nick Sealer, honestly, even that one game, um, plenty fine for me. Let's look at Nick Sealer tonight. Zero goals, one assist. Uh, that was, you know, the one point plus one, seven penalty minutes, five of those for the fighting. He did take a, another penalty, too, but he was defending himself it was cross checking that uh, Ehlers gave against him. And then he got the two for roughing. I think the ref honestly just couldn't see the initial cross check by Ehlers on that one. So, you know, you forgive that one. Uh, the penalty, he had one shot, two hits, two blocks, um, no giveaways, <laughs> 15, 19 time on ice, you know, shortest of all defensemen here. But that's, you know, first game in. How over basically two months almost here uh, when you're talking about the last time he played in Minnesota there. Um, so I absolutely sealer in scratch Gustafson. It's time um, that all stemmed from uh, this discussion that we're having uh, that Andrew Kopko, the last two by uh, Winnipeg were the short, uh, excuse me, the empty netters. So um, that sealed the game and made this look a little bit wider than it was actually uh, line a and Connor with those uh, short or excuse me, <laughs> keep saying shorthanded because uh, th- that one earlier in the game is still burning in my memory, but um, those were empty netters uh, that made this thing uh, look that lopsided. But uh, I mean, you just look from the second period on and it's weird, Patrick, I- I'm a big stats guy. You know me. Um, I really like digging these numbers, but you're, looking at these uh the visual representation of the game flow on naturalstatric.com and it's still all technically in favor of the blackhawks but that's just because they were that dominant in the first period but uh, other than that outside of a few outlier trends where the blackhawks had put on a little bit of pressure this thing went up and up and up and up and up and up and up towards winnipeg's favor granted never crossed into that zone but that's because the blackhawks were so dominant in the first period of such a down slope here because the Blackhawks are the bottom team on this visual graphic that I'm looking at. Um, fucking frustrating, man. Um, this is the biggest stretch of the season. They ran a poll um, before on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, the you know what, what do you think the expected points are uh, on this road trip? And a lot of people, the starry-eyed dreamers, had nine ten. Um, well, first of all, that ain't happening. You, you can't get <laughs> can't get them now because uh, you, you lost tonight. So the best you can do is what eight now. Um, you even get one. So I guess nine would have been attainable if they would have sent this thing to overtime. You can't get one. Um, it's time to pick this shit up and get ready for Edmonton, a dangerous Edmonton team on Tuesday night, Patrick. Yeah, I mean they got to put this one behind them. You got to come out. You're you're looking at Edmonton's a good team, man. Like they really are. You got that that top line is absolutely dangerous with Drysaddle and McDavid. You know they are they're good. You would maybe expect to see Robin Leonard in that one, and that's not to say anything against Crawford. I thought Crawford was pretty phenomenal tonight. He uh, didn't get a lot of help there after the first twenty, but you know. He, it's, you got to switch back to your realistic number one guy, get him some action. So, but at this point, like the goalies have been so good, but if they're going to continue to put these efforts out there, I don't give a shit who you have between the, the pipes. It could be Dominic Hoshik. It could be fucking Patrick Wad. doesn't matter if you're going to keep giving up all these opportunities and Gustafson's just going to let whoever the hell wants to go to the net, go to the net. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to lose. So they need a better effort. You know, 
they need to play every game from here on out like they played the first period of the night for the entire 60 minutes. You do that, you'll win a lot of hockey games. But, you know, t- games aren't 20 minutes. And games aren't 20 minutes if you're up 2 nothing. They're not 20 minutes if you're up 5 nothing. Because guess what? If you don't play the entire game, teams will come back. Two goals ain't shit. You know, like, you got you to gotta keep coming. You know, play every minute like you're the team down 2 nothing. Don't, yes. don't for a second yes. get on, on your heels. Like, you have to keep coming. Keep coming until they until there's no answer, and then once that final horn goes up, then you stop. But like, you know, how many times do they have to teach themselves this lesson? You know, and like Tay said it in the post game tonight. I know the officiating didn't really go the Hawks' way tonight, but like, no one screwed the Hawks over more than themselves. So you just you no. gotta you yeah. gotta you just gotta it, gotta play. It, it's different than Wednesday night's loss against the Boston Bruins, where it was blatantly the officials blatantly and one that you know i I don't like to do that because i'm I'm more of a fan of accountability and team accountability that wednesday night they got absolutely fucked they did that that's the bottom line of it there's no doubt about it i was in attendance so it was uh ron and tony on the mic for that one so i couldn't voice my displeasure but um i definitely did from section 324 not the case tonight not the case despite those two weak calls soft calls on taves in the third period um you just got to do better at literally driving possession, drive possession. You got Dylan Strom, they, you know, Eddie Owen fully talked about it. Guy who's, you know, playing a quiet game tonight. Well, guess what? Alex Jabrikit played a shitty game. Um, you, you got uh, David Camp is worth a dick offensively. I'm sorry. Um, I appreciate his defensive efforts, but holy shit. Um, I can't wait until Evan Barrett is our third line center in a couple of years, Patrick. I wrote an article about that last night because I'm just so sick of seeing him center guys, skilled guys like Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Stroman. If you have a guy like Evan Barrett in there, hell, if Philip Denall is in there at third line center tonight, I think it might be a different story um, on that one. So, um, yeah, just, just, it's one just, of the- it's just one of those things when one. Camp brings that puck up the ice. Every time you see him, and a lot of times he is the one bringing up the puck on the puck up the ice on that line. You just know it's going nowhere. It's like yeah. he's going to come over the blue line. He's going to stop. He's going to skate to the corner, and he's going to dump it right to the defenseman. It, yeah, every you, damn time with him, he he try zero offensive threat, and you're skating with a guy who I know we were hard on to bring it, but maybe if we're looking for a reason why this guy isn't scoring, it's because he's playing with fucking the Eric Gustafson of forwards. like <laughs> On the offensive end. Eric, yeah, right. David Camp is more responsible than Eric Gustafson defensively, even as yeah, a forward. Maybe he could play the sixth defenseman, and we could maybe, yeah, maybe him and Gustafson should switch uh, spots out there or something, because it's just... <laughs> Rome center it and then put Gus on the other wing opposite to break yeah. it, yeah? At this point, yeah, I'm willing to try anything. So, you know, because <laughs> that, that is a very interesting point. Like, you need depth, too. Like, depth drives you through the entire game. You can't rely on your top two lines the entire night. So if you're going to play a full 60, you need a full 12 four. You need a full four lines out there. And when you got David Camp anchoring a third line, well, that's, that's a problem. You know, like... He, and that's not to say that he's a bad player. I think he'd be a great exactly. fourth. He'd be a phenomenal fourth line center because he's extremely responsible defensively. He can kill penalties. Yeah. He brings a lot of value to I, a team, but not I, on the third line and not next to Alex to I'll say this now, and it's not just because he's my guy and I really liked him while he was in Vegas and I was ecstatic over the moon when they signed him. It's time after tonight for me, it's time that Ryan Carpenter plays third line center with those two 
instead of David Camp and bump David Camp down to that fourth line that's not expected to do anything offensively. When you see Dylan Strom and Alex Debris get out on the ice, Patrick, you expect fireworks, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's what Debrink got so, that contract done so for. Who was centering before they tried the Kirby Dock with uh you know Brandon Sod and Patrick Kane on the second line? Who was centering that second line? Oh, it was Ryan. You know, you're absolutely right with Ryan Carpenter. Let's move Ryan Carpenter up to three C. He can yeah. still play his penalty kill minutes and adjust him how you need him there with right before and right after, um, you know, right after, I guess, uh, you know, the penalty kill, if you need to give him some time off a- after that extended time that he puts on um, in the PK. But, you know, camp plays PK too. Fuck it. Let's switch those two guys. If you're, you know, not going to make a shakeup forward wise at all, because, you know, it's not, they're not fucking calling up don't occur for the answer here. Um, and there's no real, and there's no real center. There's no real center that um, uh, outside of them. So they got to do with what they have. Um, so I, I would petition for that. Um, and like I said, it's not just because he's, you know, one of my favorite players in Ryan Carpenter. Um, I really think that, you know, he was more effective. He, he's not the handsiest guy in the world. No, by no fucking means at all. But I think he has a better knowledge about him of who's around him. Yeah, absolutely. David Camp, David Camp doesn't. David Camp wants to fuck pin the puck against the boards and just see what happens. Ryan Carpenter will at least look to his wings and say, holy shit, I got these guys beside me. Let's try and get one of them, and then I'll go to the net. Whereas, yeah, we'll, we'll, it's a different approach. Yeah, look what uh, when Carp- Carpenter was on Kane's line for a while, and he actually did it pretty well. Like, he understand who you're playing with, and yeah. no one did that better than Carpenter. He's like, um, I have one of the greatest wingers in NHL history on my line. I'm gonna try everything in my power to get him in the puck. Yeah, well, that and, same and you know thing what? could be said for uh, you know, well, the same thing can't be said, but the same idea can be applied for Alex to bring it. Like, this dude can put the puck in the back of the net That's pretty damn thing. well. Get him the puck. Like, you know when. Carpenter at least has a little drive in his game offensively. He's not the most skilled guy in the world, that's for sure, but he he drives. He drives to the net. He does all these things. Uh, David Kampf plays every shift like it's a penalty kill. Like you said, he's trying to pin the puck up against the boards. He's just trying to kill time. Like he's doing everything in his power to not let the other team score. Like, well, that's great and all, but, you know, that's shit that fourth lines do. That's not something you want your third line doing, especially when Alex Debrinkit is on it. Yeah. It's. Dude, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to elaborate on two statements there, but you literally put them perfectly, Patrick. So it's time. Uh, it's time to get into. We, we got to wash this one off of our hands. Uh, those are the possible line changes uh, from the Four Feathers crew. You heard it here first on the Blackhawks on Tap Post Game Show. Let's get into it uh, because there's no fucking point in, in lingering on this one any longer. We already did all of that in the first half hour of the show. So let's move on. Edmonton Tuesday night. Uh, 8 p.m. Central Time start. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago, I believe, will be the network for that one. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. No, excuse me. NBC Sports Chicago Plus will be the network for that one. Uh, 8 p.m. start out in Edmonton. So one thing that stands out to me first, I, I pull up the ESPN team pages for these as we're previewing the opponents. And I see Connor McDavid day to day. McDavid was unavailable if, uh, to the media after Saturday night's 3-2 win over the Predators because he was being assessed by the medical staff. But um, I-, I watched in and out of that game. Uh, I kind of had it on the background as I was attending to other matters on tap related. And um, I didn't really see anything major, but uh, he was being attended to. So just as shy Sox, John would say over on shy Sox weekly, look out for that. Uh, Connor McDavid, I would fully expect him to be in the lineup because they are the Edmonton McDavid dry sidles. Um, they have no fucking <laughs> anyone behind these two dry sidle 
31 goals, 54 assists, 85 points. Connor McDavid, 30 goals, 51 points, 81, excuse me, 30 goals, 51 assists, 81 points. Um, they are the Edmonton McDavid dry sidles. Um, that's what we're getting. They uh, were able to pull out a win uh, on Saturday night against Nashville, uh, three to two. It was the final in that one. That was the last time that they played. We are their next game. That is Tuesday night. Like I had said. So, um, Patrick outside of only thinking the games, 20 minutes, what are the other keys to this game? Well, like you mentioned, they are, it's, they're a two man show. Shut those two down and you Probably win. Now, that's obviously incredibly easier said than done. They have uh, those two by themselves have a combined 166 points on the season. Like, they are very, 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 very good at putting the puck in the net. Those two play together better than maybe anyone, any other two guys in the league. They're phenomenal. You, you own in on that top line. And, you know, Duncan Keith, uh, it, it's you, man. I understand that you're, what, 36, 37 years old. You're you're about our only hope out there. You know you're gonna he's gonna have to go to work. Connor Murphy and, too. Connor Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. So like you know it's obviously it's a combined effort, but you, you got to attack these guys. Um, got to have a little more drive in your game. Turnovers like you can't be turning the puck over, especially with those two because, uh, you know, Alex Jabrinka that little cheap little touch pass he made when you get the puck on McDavid's stick. Well, guess what? That guy can fly up and down the ice like maybe. No one else we've ever seen in the NHL. He absolutely flies. He has all the skill in the world. He's got great hands. There's no flaws in Connor McDavid's game. So you can't be turning the puck over because you get the puck on his stick. Forget about it. You know, you're, he, he'll put it in behind the goalie. Um, so that's just, you got to you want to play so, a really, really clean game in this one. Yeah, so I, I saw, I was at Wednesday night's game against Boston. And they have one of the most dangerous lines, too, in uh, the Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshan line they had the fourth line whenever they could because obviously we were at home and unfortunately that's not going to be the case they're not going to be able to float the matchups that they want out there but I think moving Carpenter and camp like we had previously alluded to can be beneficial in this one because Carpenter provides the defensive stability alongside two really you know guys that they're not out there to play defense and Dallas to bring it and Dylan Strom but David Camp is playing, like you'd said, every shift like it's a penalty kill. Now, that's a problem when he's playing with two skilled guys, but that may be a plus when he's playing with Zach Smith um, and you know Matthew Highmore tonight. Who knows if it's Alex Nylander, if they get him back in or whatever. Um, but I thought you know Highmore wasn't terrible, not noticeable like he usually is uh, tonight. He only played 9.09, so who knows what they're going to do with that other fourth-line wing spot tonight. But... I feel like that can be a little bit of an insurance against that since you don't have that first change uh, if you put Carpenter on that third line. And first of all, I think the, the main reason would be to bolster the offense further. But secondly, if you do get screwed and you get matched up our third line against their first line with McDavid and Dreisaitl on it, Ryan Carpenter can help shield a lot of the deficiencies that Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit have on the defensive end. So that that would be my key to the game, and I would flip flop those two. Um, I don't know what Jeremy Collins thinking, but I hope he's fucking listening to Blackhawks on tap post game shows because I think it's a great idea. Um, 
So I, I would go with that. But um, other than that, man, it, it's just time to nut up. You know, Duncan Keith talked earlier in the season about uh, playing pissed off. Uh, I believe this is even fuck around Thanksgiving time. Um, he talked about playing pissed off. If tonight's loss don't piss you off, I don't know what the hell will, especially given the gravity uh, of these games, Patrick. So, um, hey, it, it, do or die. Um well, let's get after it. You absolutely need a good effort. You're playing back-to-back nights. Um, I know we can't leave anything in the tank, so you know, go balls out and then just try and you know, hope for another good effort uh, at Vancouver on Wednesday night after. But you got to take it one game at a time, and you got to think that this game upcoming is the mentality should be whatever game is coming up next is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. That's where I'm at with this one. So um, that about does it for our analysis preview of this Edmonton game here. Um, last thing we'll do is stick to click. Who's going to get it done? Who's uh, providing some of the fireworks uh, on Tuesday night, Patrick? Yes, yeah, so I had mentioned earlier about how we're going to have to you know, get a focus on McDavid and try to settle up there. So I think I think this is a night where Duncan Keith's going to rise to the occasion. He's been sitting on 99 goals for oh, shit a couple of months, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with him. I think big time players step up in big time games, and Duncan Keith is a big time player. Got to have this one. I think he'll have quite the game on the blue line, and maybe he'll uh, punch in that hundredth uh, goal of his career. So I'm going to go with Duncan Keith as my stick to click. All right, I'm going to go with a guy who uh, got the party started tonight, and that is not the guy who scored it, but the guy who initiated it, and granted it was a little bit of a lucky bounce, but Drake Kajula, I would mentioned it in our chat, Patrick, what did I say? Drake Kajula looks pissed off, and I said it earlier in this episode, he looks pissed off, he got cheated uh, on Wednesday night against the Boston Bruins, He's, you know, if that goal would have counted, I, I believe on the pregame show, Patrick Sharp had said that, that or Adam Burrish, one, one of the two, had said that it, it would have been his fourth goal in seven games. Um, so he, he did not tally a goal tonight, and um, I, I think he could be one. And this is also his former team, uh, Drake Kajula, the former Edmonton Oiler, if you remember, Brandon Manning traded <laughs> to wow. the uh, Oilers for him. So uh, I'm going to go with number 91, Drake Kajula, as my stick to click tonight. So, um, all right, th- that'll do it for the most part for this episode of Blackhawks on Taps. Uh, Patrick, final thoughts before we sign off. Yeah, final thoughts. I mean, like we said, we'll keep hammering home tomorrow uh, or Tuesday. Must win game. Got to get two points. Got to have it. Um, and I like that you brought up the Drake Kajula thing. He's looked phenomenal. He He's a guy who plays every game the entire 60 minutes. He plays at 100 miles an hour. He He's looked phenomenal. He anchors that – or he is – He's just a big reason that things have actually been going well before they went on this little skid. So, you know, you want him to keep it up. I did forget that uh, he came over in that Brandon Manning trade. Uh, I think that was one of uh, uh, one of the last trades there for uh, Edmonton's old GM. I drawn a complete blank on his name because he was, was just Shirelli? So Peter Shirelli, yeah. is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Shirelli. He was just so god awful up there and that that might be one of the worst trades he made and it's just on his way out. So props to him. Rare stand bow win. So we love to see that, but yeah, we gotta, gotta get two points on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I echo what you just said there. Um, second one will be 
lineup, uh, you know, we had already touched on the flip-flop of the camp Carpenter. If you're going to keep Debrickett Strom on that third line, let's let Carpenter center them. Camp already plays like it's a penalty kill anyway. Playing with Zach Smith, shit, it might as well be uh, on the fourth line. And then you just throw in whatever wingers there. Fuck, Highmore kills them sometimes too. So um, I would go with that. Lineup flips. And uh, obviously the main overall takeaway from this, the name of this episode, Scratch Gustafson. One game is enough from Nick Sealer that I've seen that he is deserving of being in this lineup. And Eric Gustafson proved that he is not deserving of being in this lineup tonight. And you're getting an offensive defenseman. That's what you'll be trading in and out here when Adam Boquist, because they said he was iffy and maybe, well, guess what? Another couple days of rest here. He should be fine to go on Tuesday night against the Oilers. Put Boquist in, scratch Gustafson, and trade Gustafson as soon as possible. That's it. All right, Patrick, that will wrap it up for this episode of Blackhawks on Tap. Let's close it out. A little uh, rally cry for Tuesday night. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.